Each year, Monocle publishes its ranking of the top 25 cities for quality of life. These most livable cities in the world get the essentials right. Reliable public transport, good schools, low crime. But they attain a more subjective excellence too. To be on the list, they must be cities in which people would want to live and work. Cities that not only make it easy to get to the office, but that have life in them too. These are steered by individuals who look constantly at how their city can improve, and they change and adapt, as any great city must, without losing sight of their strengths. A great city should facilitate the endeavors of its population, not hinder them. And it's those cities that earn a place on the list. Take your average Tuesday, take your average Sunday, and what makes a city great? Well, one side can be, can you just step outside, can you walk to the park, and can you have a lovely day in the sun? But the other side is, um, can I be effective in that city? And so how many experiences can I have? Am I able to do a breakfast with my family? Am I able to have three meetings before lunch? Can I then cross town for lunch? Can I get back to my office? And part of it is to do all of that without obstruction. The debate around what makes a livable city is always the same few things. It's about emergency services, it's about the murder rate. Of course those things are important and they're definitely in our survey. But we think there are other things, the softer things that make a great city for example. You know, can you get a glass of wine at one o'clock in the morning? Is there a place to go and do your supermarket shop on a Sunday? Are these cities responding to what modern residents want? Vancouver is this year's highest ranking city in North America and number 15 on the list overall. A city with a compact downtown and a strong sense of community, nestled in the Pacific Northwest wilderness with mountains and ocean at its doorstep. It also boasts strong ties to Asia and a thriving manufacturing industry which have helped its economy stay robust even while neighbors have struggled. Here you have a relatively young city, but you still have a vibrant downtown. And it's a vibrant downtown because people live downtown. You've got a vitality, you have retail at ground level, you have people living above. And you've seen a realization on the part of young businesses in Vancouver as well, that they can also be globally competitive. Another great measure is what does it take to go from downtown to a great patch of greenery where I can run or walk to? And you have this exceptional backdrop when you are in Vancouver, you have the mountains right there, you're confronted by the wildness of, of the Pacific. It's a city that's looking to its west, it's looking to what's happening in Asia, and it did well even during the recession years. So there was never that falling away of investment. The city has always carried on doing things well. One of the more significant ascents on the list this year comes from Tokyo, which is our top city in Asia and comes in at number two on the list overall. Tokyo has always been a well-oiled machine, serving its population with remarkable efficiency considering its size. But in recent years, and now with the Olympics approaching in 2020, things have been getting even better, with a palpable, growing spirit of reinvention, entrepreneurialism, and forward thinking. I often think that Tokyo is like a, a much smaller city. Although there are 13 million people here, in many ways it functions like a much smaller city. It has all the efficiency, the courtesy, I think now you're seeing a younger generation, they're starting small fashion companies, printing businesses, small cafes. So there's an amazing sense of renewal here. We've just seen the boom of Haneda Airport. So now, with Haneda being so close, Tokyo really has this chance. You feel it's actually that much closer to Asia. I think one of the amazing things about Tokyo, and we wanted to make a point with our ranking this year, is that it's a bit of a planning free-for-all. You can get everything. And so that is 
this incredible sort of madness that you get in so many neighborhoods, but somehow it all works. And I think it does a number of things for a city, aside from just making it an interesting place. Uh, it, it does so many things in terms of affordability. Because you can literally go and set up a business uh, in something a little bit bigger than a shoebox, it really gives people a point of entry if you want to be an entrepreneur. Tokyo's got so much to teach the world about, about how cities could be. I mean, if you look at it, a city like Tokyo shouldn't really work. There are too many people. It should have a lot of problems that it doesn't have. And I think Tokyo has cracked a lot of problems that other cities are still trying to solve. Finally, there's this year's number one city for quality of life. It excels across all the categories, and it's continued to adapt and to grow admirably, investing in infrastructure, improving public space and services, as well as projecting itself remarkably well to the world. This is the third time that Copenhagen has come top, and the second year in a row. Uh, and part of the reason why it's so successful is it does all the important things right. Copenhagen is always trying new things, but at the same time is also respectful of its traditions. It doesn't just tear down old buildings willy-nilly. Uh, it thinks about the way it does redevelopment. They do have some gritty issues which they seem to confront and deal with and they don't shy away from the fact that they, they have kind of uh, disparities of wealth and they still have issues around immigration that they need to sort out. But they're thinking about the city in a really holistic way, so whether that's transport, that's weather, that's healthcare, that's whether look, it's looking after your kids even, then they have an opinion on it. And from City Hall you get always a very consistent message. So we've seen over the years that as mayors change, as administration changes, still that same ambition remains for the city. You have this wonderful harbour. You can look down from your balcony, you can look at the twinkling water, and that you're just able to get in the lift, walk down the stairs, and, and to jump into that harbour is amazing. There's a real sense of scale. All of the Nordic capitals, uh, are, they're incredibly close, there, there's no question, and they, they all do a number of things incredibly well. But there's something about Copenhagen, it's just that little bit further south, and it's just a bit looser around the edges. There's a little bit more license uh, to do things, maybe on your own terms. For Monocle in Copenhagen, I'm Gabriel Lee.